We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. It is nice. Not going to be a long show today because there's no UFC fight this weekend, but we will recap last weekend's UFC pay-per-view, UFC 265. We'll touch on the Rona and injury taking away some boxing matches this week. It seemed like the boxing gods were not with us this week. So a couple of things shaken up and changed on the schedule We do have three good fights happening this weekend, though, multiple networks. So we'll talk about all of those as well in our second segment. Dre, before we get into our hip hop talk to start the show, I'm excited today. Do you know why I'm excited? Because it's the Field of Dreams game and my white side is going to beat the bullshit out of the Yankees. I could be totally wrong. When people listen to this, we could we could. No, no, you're not. You're not losing the first game because we have the kid we traded for from the Angels who gives up a million home runs every game. So you guys are going to win today. No, you're good. Um, No, obviously, that's not why I'm excited. I am excited today because I got some great news yesterday. This is news that any man listening to this show, you guys will go. Damn, Kel, I'm, I'm happy for you. And I got news that after five years, it's been five years, my barber is moving back to Vegas. <laughs> Last time he cut my hair, my hairline was pristine. Now I'm bald, but it's not going to stop me from going to my barber. So my beard will be nice. I might actually like grow it out because he'll have like some stuff for me. I won't get the paint. I refuse. Don't he he knows don't paint my beard, yo, like at all. Don't put none of that on it. But the beard will be nice for events. I'll have the smooth bald head. I will finally experience what you experience going to the barbershop before big events that we go to. Because I always like Dre, why do you go to the barbershop? You got a bald head. You're like, no, it, you need to go to the barbershop. I will have this experience again. Cause I've just been cutting, I mean, I went bald like shaving my head bald, even though I do have hair more than most bald people. Um, but I've been shaving my head bald for like two, three years now. I do my own beard, none fancy, just keeping it tidy. But now I get an official like sideburns, blend into the beard, straight mustache. Oh, I'm so excited, man. So excited. Congratulations on going through puberty. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> First off, it took me a long time to grow this beard. I didn't get a mustache till I was 23. You, when I met you, I just got a mustache. That's crazy. I had a mustache in high school. 
Like, <laughs> you know, but I, yeah. congratulations because now you get your shit done right. Because you have to understand, man. Any any person who has a beard, like beard maintenance, like when you go to the barbershop, and don't just go to the barbershop and get like. I mean, you can, but that's like that's like maintenance where you just get a beard trim. If your barber is dope, they have the whole setup with the the straight edge razor with yes. the warm lather and the towel. Do that shit. He I got everything. I can't wait. Can't I don't care wait. how much it costs you. Do that shit. People look like you're gonna pay sixty five dollars for a shave. Yes. Sure. Yeah. I'm gonna pay sixty five dollars for a shave. Right. And the spot that I go to doesn't charge me that much because I have a membership. It's called the Gents Club in Vegas. Anybody's looking it up. It's uh, when you walk in, they was like, what would you like to have to drink? And they just give you a complimentary drink. Why I used to have a glass of red wine and it's unlimited. You can drink whatever you want. And they have like a fireplace and you hang out. And then the barbers come out and they're mostly women. There's a few dudes, but they're mostly women who are very nice with beards and they take care of you. Straight edge razor, all that shit. It's the best feeling in the world. Now you will get to experience it. That sounds exactly like where you would go to get your beard done. <laughs> of course it is. Of course. It is. I've got my appointment for next week already. It's fight week and WrestleMania week. I've got my appointment. I will be there Wednesday morning before the festivities kicked off. You will see a nice, fresh edge up. My beard will be nice and moisturized. Yes. I'm I don't know what shop my boy is working in. Probably not North Las Vegas anymore. He actually used to cut hair off the east side. He used to be like Charleston and Lamb. Cause he went to Vegas high school. He just stayed in the area, but now he he's moving like up by you kind of in this new development. Um, not on the golf course like you, but like not too far from there. So I might be traveling towards your crib to get my beard done, but yeah, $65 easy. You know how much money I just dropped and I'm dropping this week on my wife, getting her hair done. My stepdaughter getting her hair done because college is starting. And then my daughter, who is now with me full time, getting her hair done this week, which she wants something called Passion Twist. So I have to drop $100 on the hair and then a buck fifty for her to get it done. And that's the homie discount. Because like I know the person braiding her hair. It would have been like three fifty. My wife's hair is $300 every time. My stepdaughter's hair is 200. It's it gets crazy, yo. Between nails, hair, everything else that these ladies have, $65 a month for me, 65 is cake. So yes, I will go and enjoy getting the, the beard lathered and chilling. Um, I told him the only thing I was like, yo, I'm glad. I was like, he's been cutting hair, like he cuts hair for the cowboys and all that now in Dallas. So he's done really well. Um so I'm like, yo, I'm glad you're coming back. I know you're going to be in a pretty good shop. It's like, there's only one thing you got to do for me. He's like, what up? I was like, you can't tell anybody I work at ESPN. Because as soon as you do, I'm getting bombarded with the dumbest sports questions in the world at the barbershop. And it'll just fuck up my whole experience. He was like, oh, I got you. I got you. I was like, yo, I don't want to talk about how Pacquiao beat Mayweather. And people can prove it. Don't tell me nothing. Like the worst conversations about sports, especially boxing, happen in a barbershop. So I'm trying to avoid that. I haven't had to do that for five years. Absolutely. Yeah. Good luck. I don't, I don't talk to anybody when I, when I go to, well, see at this spot, there's really nobody to talk to. They have their own little spaces. But when I used to go to my boy's barbershop, um, the black barbershop, the super black barbershop, that as soon as I walk in, they, I don't tell my boy, he knows where I work, but they don't talk about it. So I just sit there and listen. And he always looks at me whenever a conversation comes up about hip hop or MMA and boxing. And then they just, they just go and he's like, you want to chime in? I'm like, I ain't saying shit. 
I ain't seen a mother. I'm just gonna listen because all y'all gonna do is make me mad. Because barbershop talk is the most um uneducated conversations ever. Just people just say shit. But it's the gauge. You gauge everything from the barbershop. So yeah, good luck to you. Um, I'm gonna find out where you're at though, and I'm gonna announce it. This dude, cause you have an ESPN tattoo. Yeah, I don't gotta show it. It's like above my knee. I could wear shorts that cover. I'm gonna go with jeans on every time to the barbershop. You gonna slip. It's a <laughs> you're gonna slip. Now, also, most importantly, you said once a month. No, 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 brother. You got to do that more than once a month. No, I'm not going once a month. I mean, I'm not going more frequent than once a month. You got to go more than once a month. My beard doesn't grow that fast. You still, it doesn't matter. You got to go at least twice a month. That's a lot. That's a commitment in time. Yeah, it is. But like, okay, during COVID, of course, you don't, because you're not going anywhere. But if you're going to be traveling and be invisible, twice a month. And this is where I say, it, at the very least, the second one should just be the, a trim, tighten you up. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm considering it. This is new to me. One, I was broke five years ago and he used to do me a solid and like cut my hair for $15. So like now it's a whole different world. I can afford to go twice a month if I want. Um, I didn't have a beard five years ago. I have a beard now for those wondering. Do not listen to Dre. It's, it's more than a chin strap. It's on my cheeks. So I have a beard. So now... Um, yeah, I guess I, I might change it up. I got to see how it goes. It's, it's a whole new experience, but I'm excited for it. I'm excited to be 33 years old and back in the barbershop. I hope it doesn't take three hours. So that was the good news I got um, yesterday. But I feel like, you know, open up the show with some good news. My barber's back. The other thing is talking about barbershop talk. The only thing more annoying than horrible sports talk, because it's always horrible. It's horrible music takes. Yeah, the pitch. The worst. And Twitter is like a barbershop this week because I've never seen more egregious slander on that app than I saw this past two days with people asking why LL Cool J is even still mentioned as a rapper and disrespecting his entire career. Someone tagged us in a tweet earlier they said why are people talking about LL Cool J the rapper he's a one hit wonder why is he trending his acting is better than his rapping was listen I've seen him act it's the same for Ice Cube they both have one hit that's blasphemous right no it gets worse people for Ice Cube his one hit was no Vaseline of all the hits, it wasn't a hit. <laughs> no Vaseline. And for LL Cool J, his one hit was Hey Lover. Not radio, not I'm bad. I mean. Not Mama said knock you out. Not I no. need love. Like, I mean. <sighs> he could even pick Phenomenon if he wanted to be completely egregious about it. Because Phenomenon wasn't a hit, but it was a fucking terrible album. But man. Shout out to Jaime on Twitter for sending that to us. No, no but, shout out. No shout out. Don't, don't ever send me <laughs> stuff like that. All you want to do is make me mad. Why y'all want to rob me up on this show with bad hip-hop takes? That, that he's gotta, one, he's a one-hit wonder with Hey Lover. Yo, Cube just completely discredited NWA's catalog. Did, today is a good day is a hit. Why did you pick No Vaseline? <laughs> how do you get there hey, how, how do you, you get there <laughs> what it, what it, you know like again you could do the 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 today's catalog his his more recent catalog put your back into it 
You can put that. That's a hit. No, Vaseline was not a hit. It was not a hit. It's a great song. It's one of the, it's probably the greatest diss song of all time. It's not a hit. What's wrong with these people? I'm telling you, man, I, I, I propose that we open up like a place like the DMV for rapper license. And you have to go here. <laughs> you have to pass a fucking test or else you are not allowed to publicly talk about hip hop or else you're going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> At least for a quick stay in the bookings. Something to teach you a lesson. You got to learn, man. You're going to learn today. Oh, cool, Jay. People, that is so great. Listen, the Cube stuff is ridiculous. That one person lost their damn mind. LL is trending because people are disrespecting his legacy. And I'm not the biggest fan of, you know, he, she, and the licking lips, LL. But even then, he had some joints. Joints. Crazy. He was on every remix for a second. Four, three, two, one. His battle with cannabis. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. It's again, we're the only culture that does this to our elder statesmen. Rock and roll would never say the fucking Rolling Stones is whack. Nobody would ever say that. No. Nobody would say the Beatles are whack. You know, what have what the Beatles done? Who's no, <laughs> they're one hit wonders. Yeah, they don't say that. What is Abbey Road? That's bullshit. Like Pink Floyd, they, they don't disrespect Pink Floyd or the Who or the Grateful Dead. I mean, I can go down the list of, of rock albums that are phenomenal and rock bands who have continue to tour 30 years after their heyday. And they're still pretty much in their heyday because they're eating off of this shit. And you don't have white kids that say that shit. But in hip hop, let you be uh, over the age of 35. Let you be over the age of 30 without people knowing. Because it's funny, a lot of people's favorite rapper is Future. Future's like fucking 40 years old. Two Chains is like 44. But people, for whatever reason, think that they're younger. But when you get older, if you made music in the 80s, you're dead to them. You didn't exist. You don't have hits. That's old man rap. I've never heard anybody say that's that's old band talk. The Rolling Stones, <laughs> you old heads talking about the Rolling Stones. Never hear that shit. Like we give we give more props, and especially as black people, we give more props to rock bands than we do hip hop artists from the eighties and nineties. Like we will talk about Blink One Eighty Two. In a, black people in a heartbeat. I love Blink 182. <laughs> <laughs> we don't yeah. talk about Blink 182 as, as how great they are in yep. a heartbeat. But what we won't talk about is a rapper who came out at the same time they're washed up. It is weird. Speaking of which, just as an aside, I watched that Dark Side of the 90s episode on the Viper Room. Everybody should watch that shit. You watched that shit, didn't you? Um, yes, yes. I put it in the chat. That's the one I watched. That's the best episode so far. You know, the Beanie Baby episode really had me intrigued. Oh, my grandma used to collect Beanie. Oh, my God. Those people are fucking nuts, yo. They were like house moms. Like, they were crazy. But the reason why I was bringing that up, one, because everybody should watch the episode, because it really puts a spotlight on, like, celebrity culture in the 90s and, like, you know, River Phoenix's passing and how that changed pretty much everything and how everything changed but it was like groups like counting crows like you look at all the bands that came out in the 90s and like even you go to the hair bands from the 80s you'll never hear white folks like disrespect those bands like counting crows like do look ridiculous with dreads right chris from the counting crows look (laughs) but he looks so much better now in the doc mr jones was a banger like back in the like nobody fronts everybody fronts on old school hip-hop and not even old school he pulled jennifer aniston with the second. dreads, <laughs> with the dreads. But only we only do this in hip hop. 
we only do this. We disrespect our elders in hip hop. And they're not even, they're still here. Like LL Cool J, yes, he is an actor. Yes, everybody watches LL Cool J. You know, LL Cool J is not a bad actor. Ice Cube, yes, he's a phenomenal actor. But that means nothing because he wouldn't have the acting career if it wasn't for his music. And that yeah. music is legendary. And I've looked at the list because I know we're about to get into some legendary conversations. But come on, man. One hit wonder. Do your, <laughs> like, do, your, do your Googles. Do something. There's no reason you should be out here saying that No Vaseline is Ice Cube's one hit. Yo, like, that's ridiculous. He had an entire days. movie. Yo, It was a movie in theaters worldwide. Listen, <laughs> I'm just saying Today Was a Good Day is a song that every white person knows. Everybody. everybody, everybody, grandmama, everybody they, knows. They know fucked around. I got a triple double. Everybody knows that. And you pick no Vaseline. I guarantee you knows no lyrics off of no Vaseline. He just made that shit up. He just saw a song that was trending because they were talking about greatest diss songs. Said one hit one. Hello, Cool J. Come on. Come L-L. on. I Around the love. way. Bro. Come on. Oh. Stop. I used to roll one pants leg up because of rapper LL. He said he's a better actor than rapper. Whatever. What? And I love any given Sunday. And that shit's blasphemous. I've seen Deep Impact. Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea, whatever fuck it was. Fuck that song too. Deepest Blue is my head is like a shark's fan. That, that's yeah, what it was that's it. I was like, it's a wrap. You gotta stop. Yeah, that was towards the end. That was all that was all bad. Um, but yeah, no, just the disrespect of LL Cool J. I will not stand for this. But then that got me thinking, and we've been trying to talk about this for a couple of shows, but Kanye's taking over most of our discussions. Uh, by the way, it looks like his album's pushed back again. Uh, dog, it ain't coming out. I don't know what <laughs> um, but there was a tweet from Jamel Hill that got some traction like last week, and it made me think. And people were like, blasphemous. And it still kind of is. But she was like, we're going to have to get to the point. She's like, we're at this point all the time. We're facing this thing in sports all the time where you have to let go of who was the greatest 20, 30, 40 years ago and recognize that they can be surpassed. MJ surpassed Wilt. He surpassed Kareem. He surpassed Magic Bird to be the greatest of all time. People in the 90s can be like, no, he's not the greatest. Like, because they romanticized the 70s, the 60s. You know, Koozie and all, all the, like, you can't do it. It was undeniable. Like, Jordan's the greatest. She says in hip hop, why aren't we there yet? How long can you say Big and Pac are in the top five? Before, it's, and by the way, Pac's not in my top five. But how long can you say that until you got to recognize like, no, like their catalogs were not as long as some other people's and they've been surpassed. This is a tough question because in, in sports, at least there's a metric, right? At least there's things like MVPs, championships and accolades that you can attribute to an athlete to say this athlete surpassed this athlete. And for Jordan, it'll always be six in the six and oh in the NBA finals with six rings and six MVPs. That is a very difficult metric to get past. It's, yeah, that's that's kind of ridiculous. It, it just, it, you know, no matter who you are, as soon as you lose your first NBA Finals, it's like, I can't catch Jordan. Even if you sweep them, if someone else gets MVP, God forbid, you can't be Jordan. 
Yeah, it, it doesn't matter to most people. It's a hard metric to beat. It's very difficult. And, and the fact that he stayed with one team, for the most part, Wizards don't count. But the f- fact <laughs> that he stayed with one team is the reason why a lot of people like, yo, he didn't have to join a super team. They had to come to Mike, right? And he had to build that through Scotty. He had to make Scotty. You, there's a metric. Music, there's not a metric. There are t- the, the only metric that you can really define greatness, and especially when it comes to somebody like Tupac, is influence. And with Tupac, you have the catalog, you have the lasting impression that he has left on this culture that we're still talking about him, right? That's, yep. that's my thing when it comes to greatness. The fact that we are still talking about Tupac in 2021 and he fucking died in 1996. Yeah, shit, 25 years. It's, wow. that's, that's a measure of greatness. And in order to surpass that, there's a couple things that have to happen. One, the disposable art that hip hop has become for a lot of people has to change. People make music so fast and it's here today, gone tomorrow. Nobody remembers what came out three months ago. When you sat with a Pac album, it was, that was it. That was all you sat with. It was not, there was not 37,000 other releases and Pac didn't drop another album three weeks later. You sat with that art. You don't do that very much today. They're very like people do it now when they say, where's Kendrick Lamar? Well, this used to be normal back in the day. You would drop an album and you would disappear for a couple of years. Artists don't do that anymore. They can't afford to because the immediacy of like social media. So, but when we flip to big, when people say, well, who can get past big? Well, the hard part about big is if you, you take what he rhymed about in 93, 94, 95, all the way up to his death. And you write it down on a piece of paper, and this is always my metric for a lot of things. And you have somebody read it, and you put it next to any rapper today. Big probably still wins. That's yeah. the thing about Big. Yeah, like it's not like he's he. It's not like his his style is dated, and that's the challenge because you look at a you know a person that doesn't get enough credit, and and one of the people that has not been the beneficiary of time is Rakim because Nas came along and took what he did and took it to a whole nother level. Right. People don't talk about Rakim like that anymore. Not this generation. Old heads. Yes. We talk about Rakim and how great yeah. he was. And Rakim completely changed the game. But Nas took that style and it took it to another level. Right. Made a classic album, so on and so forth. But who's done it better than Big? Like you can argue Jay. You can. The problem with Jay is Jay's like LeBron. He has rings, but not everything clicked. Yeah. He had some misses along the way. Right, where Big's career is kind of like Jordan. Like, even though we're not, you know, Jordan, he lost in the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. When it counted, those two albums that counted, they fucking counted. And not only did they count, they forever changed hip-hop. Forever. Like, goddammit, Life After Death and Ready to Die forever changed hip-hop. Not only just from the way people rapped and things people rapped about, but, like, even the, the bad boy Jiggy era, that's all big. As much yeah. as we love, like that was all big. The shit he used to rhyme about, man. I remember buying Mike Geronimo's first album, and I was a big Mike Geronimo fan. And then Vendetta came out, and I bought Vendetta, and I was so fucking mad because I was like, he's trying to be like Big. <laughs> they were all trying to be like Big. Like he changed the entire culture. Royal Flush. You go through all those New York rappers. They looked at, at the Big Blueprint, and I'm not saying them. Their A and R's and the labels. It was like you got to be like that guy. So when it comes to like the greatest rappers of all time, it is going to be really difficult to knock Big and Pac off of that purse for a lot of people. Just like when it comes to bands, who's knocking the Beatles off of that top spot? 
Who's knocking the stones off of that top spot? Who has the longevity to do it now? Yeah, that's tough. That that's true. Like it, it rocks specifically. Like, man, I love Blake One Eight Two. They're not in the stratosphere of those bands. No, you ain't knocking Metallica out of here when it comes to bands. It's just not happening. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, Green Day might be the only one that got close to cracking that. And Green Day was awesome. And they, oh, they're incredible. But they had to be around 15 years to crack the conversation. 20? Like, they they went from early 90s, dookie-style days to Warp Tour era to conscious rock and roll era. Got a fucking stage show on Broadway. Like, they were transcendent. And they're only in the conversation. Like, I don't even know. They cracked the top five. And they had to do astronomical shit to get there. They did. So it's like, and people will say, okay, well, Big only had two albums, right? But you can't take away from the lasting impression. Tupac had however albums you think he had, you know, after he died, right? You have Machiavelli done, and then everything else that came after that. Tupac yeah. had a lot of fucking music, period. He had a lot of fucking music. And when you say, well, what about the rappers that can pass him today, right? It becomes difficult because we kind of forget, like, some rappers don't get past two albums, the ones yeah. that we try to call great today, or they have misses straight up. So who I appreciate what Jamel is saying. I'm not saying she's wrong, but you have to identify to me who these rappers are that can enter that conversation where you can feel comfortable saying, oh, yeah, that I can knock big off the perch for that. Any, I, who? I mean, that's tough, right? Because now you're getting into the Kendrick Lamar lane. Right, and he's still here, so it makes it really difficult. Here's yeah, so you're, you're dropping question. two, and then people put future. Ugh. Young kids, young kids. Future, if I'm being objective, I'm not a future fan, right? But young kids hold future in the same regard as us old heads recognize Rakim. That's where, where you say hip-hop was one thing before him, it is something entirely different after him and everyone sounds like that now that's future whether it, again it's not enough to get rock him in the into some people's conversations anymore either but i don't think you can take that away from future is people say he doesn't have a lot of misses and he changed the entire sound of hip-hop and all these young kids young thug all these kids um Whoever calls himself a rapper nowadays, little everyone, um, whether you're a Boats or an Uzi, whatever you are, it's all because of Future. And a little bit, you know, drugged out Lil Wayne stage, but Future really changed shit. And I can understand that. They hold him to the regard that we hold Rock Him and a Big Daddy Kane. Okay. I hear what you're saying. So, then the next question becomes, well, there's two of them I have for you. I'll give you the second one last. I, I will hold this one because this is going to be my first question. One, I will be able to say this conversation about future if in 10 years we're still talking about future. I feel like that's the true barometer. Like, are we still talking about future in 2031? Fair. Because there's one rapper who I think at, at, that I'm not a fan of, but I totally get it. And you mentioned his name, Lil Wayne. That motherfucker changed everything. Everything, everything. These kids only know drugged out uh, guitar playing Lil Wayne, too. They don't know, like, cash money Wayne. Wayne had, he damn near has three separate careers. He does. And it's, it's unbelievable how much he's accomplished. So I can see 
If you want to put Wayne in that conversation, by all means, I can totally understand it. I will personally disagree, but that's subjective. I don't care. Yeah, The lows are very low. <laughs> so here, here is my question to you. And this is why this conversation is interesting because what Jamel is proposing gets complicated because I'm about to ask this question. Take Big J, Nas, Pac, and Rakim out of your top five. You can't use them. Okay. Now, who are your top five rappers of all time? So now we're going six through ten. <laughs> this is what right. you tell um, Eminem, 3K. All right, can I put Outcast together? No, you can't. It's unfair, I can't. but you no, can't. it's yeah, it's it's hard to then put 3K by himself. But 3K again also showed that you can do something like the Love Below. And I'm not sure without that, do you get Donald Glover? Do you get Tyler Creator? Can you be both a talented rapper and you know more than a singer, more than a Ja Rule 50 Cent crooner? Can you be an actual singer? So I'll give 3K, Eminem. Um, you threw out Rock Him. Uh, I'm a huge KRS-One fan, so give me Chris. And then two more spots, I would have to go Drake and Kendrick. And Wayne is still the odd man looking out. So the reason maybe, maybe Wayne this, instead of KRS-One, but I really like KRS-One. The reason um, why I ask this question, but yeah, like, Wayne would be above him. You could say, "All right, here's some names that you miss." Somebody could say, "You miss Big Daddy Kane." Where's Big Daddy Kane? You didn't put LL Cool J. You didn't put Ice Cube. You didn't put Snoop Dogg. Right? Nah, yeah. Right off the bat, people could say that. It's tough. That's why this conversation is so complicated because six through ten is different for everyone. One through five, pretty fucking secure. Not too many people debate that. Six through ten, it's a nightmare. It is an absolute nightmare because i don't know who you put where and i wouldn't argue with you if you had wayne in there i wouldn't argue if you, if you had cube i wouldn't argue if you had krs big daddy Kane changed hip-hop he changed punchlines and metaphors he changed how people rap he did he made it cool to be you know the sexy dark motherfucker like that was big daddy Kane, but a lot of people don't give him credit it's tough so that's why when when you ask when jamel asked well what's gonna take to knock them out well because those top five are pretty fucking secure Nobody yeah. change. Nobody like goes. Maybe five is the last one. Some people will not put Rock him in their top five. Crazy, but it happens. But a lot of Biggie, people have M there. Yeah, Biggie, Jay Z, Nas, and Pac, pretty much in everybody's top five. Yeah. Jay Z is going to be there. Nas is going to be there. Biggie and Pac change the game. Though that just doesn't change. Rakim, Eminem, you can interchange them. Some people put Cube. Some people put Snoop. Whatever the fuck it may be. But after that. There is no universal thought of who's in six through 10. Yeah, it's tough. It's. And then again, the people are climbing. What if Drake's CLB album is just incredible? Hmm, That's it doesn't have to be classic. What if it's just really amazingly good? And then you go, how many albums has he missed on? Well, here's what I'll say to you right off the bat. You said it doesn't have to be classic. It does have to be classic. Mm-hmm. To me, it already has two, maybe three. But but I'm saying it. I'm saying it has to be an undeniable classic. That's the one thing Drake does not have yet. No, take care is not a classic. For some people, it's not undeniable. <laughs> Everything that Drake has, like I tell you, like, I always said, nothing was the same as my favorite Drake album. The, it is disputed what also Drake's best album. A classic. So yeah. like Nas, Illmatic. Nobody debates this classic. Oh, well, we've we've talked about people who do debate that. Yeah, fuck them. But I'm saying Nas, <laughs> Nas pretty much has an undeniable classic. 
like the like the greatest like Snoop has doggy style, an undeniable classic. Nobody really questions. Only people that have nothing better to do but say the LL Cool J is a one hit wonder will debate this. Yep. But, Jay has two of them, undeniable right. classics. When you get to Drake, there isn't an undeniable classic. There are really, really good albums that a lot of people like. There are, the, there are things that people don't like about Drake. And I've, all, I've said this. I'll continue to say this. The thing that has killed Drake for his entire career is he hasn't given us an album where he's giving us something other than the same thing over and over again. He's just really fucking good at it. But he does, he ha- the game hasn't really changed for Drake. Maybe now that he's a father and he's a little bit older, he can give us something that we can sink our teeth into that can define that one particular album. Because in reality, you can take a Drake song off and nothing was the same and put it on Take Care and nobody would know the difference unless you heard those albums. Oh, yeah, you could do that throughout his entire career. Exactly. <laughs> They're completely interchangeable. But like when you go with like Jay's Reasonable Doubt, if you go with Nas' Illmatic or you go with Snoop's Doggy Style, you can't pull like Doggy Dog World and stick that on like the No Limit album and people are like, that makes sense. It no. doesn't. It all works in the construct of that album. Drake doesn't have that yet. He is a collection of great songs, but there's no like thread that ties them all together. That's why I've always thought about To Pimp a Butterfly. There's a thread. You could not take King Kunta and put it on damn and people are like, that works. It doesn't. There is a mindset that goes into what a lot of artists make with their albums. And you mentioned like the love below. That was a mindset. Equimini is a mindset. Drake hasn't hit that yet. He has not hit that album where it's like, this is the theme. This is either what I'm talking about, the musicality of it all. This is, I'm making an album that is a moment in time. He hasn't done it yet. He needs it for that conversation. He desperately needs it. No, nah, that's true. Even Wayne has Carter too, which was like yep. a, a huge moment. Like that was coming of age. Like I'm the best rapper alive. I'm not the young money kid anymore. Like, yeah. Yeah. Everyone has like that, that stamp album, Eminem. Marshall Mathers LP was like, wow. Yeah. Marshall Mathers LP was like groundbreaking on so many levels because yeah, man, you went super mainstream, sold a ton of million records, but <clears throat> in the mainstream, we never heard anybody rap like that. Like no. that, the, his style. He still like, had like know, sticky fingers on that album. He had like mad underground type shit on that album. <laughs> I mean, cause he was an underground rapper and so many yeah. people forget like that. Eminem was the fucking king of the underground. He was the master when, when M came out with Infinite and then followed up with a Slim Shady LP and was showing up on everything from like We Shine to the Dirty Dozens, like all that shit, that was like the, the truly the birth of like consuming music through the internet and not like on the mixtape circuit because, yep. I mean, because he was in Detroit. But at that time, it was like, everybody, like, who the fuck is this guy? And then he got signed by Dre. And then it was just like all bets were off because it wasn't like he got signed by Dre, which happens to most rappers in general. When you sign to a major label, whatever you were the independent underground darling, they kind of stripped that away from you. You're no longer that guy. You got to yeah. make this hit. This motherfucker came in with, I just don't give a fuck off the Slim Shady LP. And then came with the Marshmallow. And like he had pop shit. He had remember me. Like he had brain damage. Like you go through that catalog of those two albums. I people will say Drake Eminem is not one of the greatest rappers of all time. Get the fuck out of here. He, he absolutely is. There are very few people on this planet that can rap better than him. Maybe others with better subject matters, better stories to tell, better things to do. His, you know, it's like um, he's like a comedian who stayed in that era, and you can't do that shit anymore, and they can't really yeah. figure out how to age out. <laughs> like they can't do it. 
but he's that kind of comedian where, and I always say this, if Eminem died after the Eminem show, if something happened, oh, might've been the greatest of all time. Yeah. Like it's like sports, right? It's like we talk about with boxing, you stay in the game too long. You, you start to fall. Roy Jones. If you would have got out of the game after you beat John Ruiz, we can have a discussion. But the yeah. fact that he stayed for so long, got the shit beat out of him, people were like, mm, yeah, maybe he's not top 10. Maybe he's not top 15. Maybe he's not top 20. With every loss, the shit gets, falls down. With every release Eminem has, he go, he slides. It's, it's like impossible for him to go up. Unless he does like a hip boy turnaround like Nas and just fucking I, I catches I, fire. I, I don't <laughs> think he, and the crazy thing about I don't him, think he has it in him. He doesn't. I, I, man, I think M is incredible, but I think when we talked about Nas and Nas staying true to Nas and making an album with hip boy and hip boy being the right producer for that, like Nas matured with his art. He grew up with his art. His art matured along with him. Eminem hasn't done that. It's still being technical more than anything else. Yeah. Like even if M ain't saying shit, M believes like, man, I'm saying it better than anybody else. But a lot of people now is like, I don't care what you're saying anymore. Yeah, that's true. All right. Still didn't answer my question. Drake has an amazing album. Are we not saying he can breach the top five? No. Can he not, not. get that? He can't surprise mm. M K or M rock him. That's tough, man. Level. Like he would be going on a decade straight. I know of number one. Again, we talked about this on wrestling shows, um, Black Wrestling Podcast. We talked about this everywhere. To me, Drake's like John Cena, where it's yeah. like you're 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 running shit for a decade, decade plus. You might be in the top five. <laughs> like you, you might have surpassed certain people. If he if this album is that good, I think he's the one. Even as much as Kendrick does, but Kendrick doesn't have a slew of features. He's not going to have the accolades to back him up. He'll have the importance, but Drake will have, if this one pops off, he'll have the most number one songs in the history of music. He might already have that shit. He'll have the most records sold ever in two or three years out of any artist ever. Like he's passing crazy numbers and achievements. He might end up in the top five and making noise for some of those top spots. I can't, I can't see him getting in the top five. That he has to have an undeniable classic. That's it. A, a really good album ain't going to get him past. People would argue Rock how many Kim. does Rock Kim have? I mean, come on. In comparison man. to Drake. I'm just saying people will argue hey, I'm just saying, overall catalog. There, it, Drake doesn't have a paid in full. Like, period. So it's like, I, there's no way I would feel like, and he, again, when I talked about your six through 10, you can make an argument. I think Drake, as of right now, if he made a really good album, He'll forever be in the six through twenty conversation. Somewhere, so window. It is, but I, but I'll tell you why. Because it, people will be perfectly comfortable putting it at six, while other people will be perfectly fine being at nineteen, and I wouldn't care either way. Okay. Because if somebody says, well, I think he's there I, now. Possibly, I'm just saying. Like when you, it, it gets dicey. Because again, you, you just talked about Kendrick. You talk that there's still is like J Cole. There's guys like Common. There's guys like Buster. There's Black Thought. There's Royce. There's like, the hits won't matter if he doesn't give us that undeniable classic. Because Buster Rhymes' catalog is fucking ridiculous. But he doesn't have an undeniable classic. And that is the reason why he doesn't breach this conversation. All right. 
That's fair. I just that's the person. If Jamel Hill's asking, is someone going to crack the top five? You got to be Drake. And again, now it seems like the criteria is higher than ever. It's difficult, you, man. You have to go above and beyond. Like we talked about Green Bay, like we talk about even LeBron to a certain extent. You can't just match what a Jordan does and expect to be in the conversation. You now have to push the limits to eight titles, nine yeah. titles. Like you have to go above and beyond. What Drake doesn't have is the one thing that he doesn't have is the respect of, of true, like true backpack hip hop hits. He doesn't have the respect. Because he doesn't have an undeniable classic album. It's not because he sings. Some people will say that. It's not because he sings. I think it's more so because he doesn't have that album where he's saying something. Like people will look at Cole and be like, I personally, I think Drake is just as good as a rapper, if not better than J. Cole. But J. Cole will actually sit in the pocket on what he wants to talk about student loans and folding clothes and shit like that, where that is a sub like he can handle that subject matter in a, in a way that other artists cannot. There is nothing that Drake raps about that somebody else can't do. Mm. It's true. That would be my argument against him. That's why like, again, why I say like Kendrick would be my guy to put in the top five right now, unless he completely blows off the career. The motherfucker has a Pulitzer, right? Like the motherfucker has classic albums. I could see him there. And if he's not there, I'm fine with it. But I couldn't, I couldn't in good conscience put Drake above Kendrick with another really good album. Oh, I might yeah, have him above Kendrick now, but I can't. They're like 1A and 1B to me, like in this new conversation, because they're just very different in what they do. One's a high flyer, one's a technical wrestler. You know, like one's a knockout artist, and the other is Mayweather. I mean, it's hard because also, you know, if Kendrick, if Kendrick comes out tomorrow, right? Let's just say Kendrick tomorrow night drops an album. The internet's going to break. It's going to break. It's not like Kendrick just comes out and makes albums that just kind of go number one. He crushes shit when he comes out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Drake, obviously, is a super duper hit maker. And, you know, that's what he does. But it's not like if Ken, like when you say Drake and Kendrick, I think Kendrick has better long-lasting albums and Drake. Drake has been around. He, he manages to stay around a lot longer. He doesn't disappear. But it's not like if, if Kendrick were to drop tomorrow, like he would sh- not shatter the internet. Like oh, again, I think they're equal. Apart. Yeah, I think they're equal. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're equal in the, in the greatest rapper of all time conversation. If it's the greatest hit maker of all time conversation, Drake wins. But rapper? Mm-mm, I don't see that yet. He has to have an undeniable classic where he is rapping. Now, he doesn't have to rap the whole album, but he's got to be rapping. And it hasn't happened yet. Till then. It. Nope. <laughs> you drive a hard bargain. And you're a really big Drake fan. I am. So I, 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 I get I it. You're it. just, you're a very tough grader as well. Yeah, I, I got to see that album. It's like three stacks. Like a lot of people say, put Andre 3000 in your top five or your top 10. And I can see a, an argument that says, how? He doesn't have a solo album. And I can agree with that. I'll be like, yeah, you're right. If you don't put him in top 10 because, you know, he's always had Big Boy by his side and hasn't had like a true solo rapping album, that's fair. I wouldn't argue against it. And that goes back to what Jamel Hill says, like what knocks them off? There's too many variables that, for these other rappers to crack a top five. Now, how do you beat Jay-Z? How? Nah, yeah, no one's knocking jail. You know, it's like how, you don't even have to like him. You just got to respect him. He's still fucking here. Yeah, nah, no one's knocking him off. So, yeah, uh, Nas is making one hell of a push to be like, Three, though. 
I mean, Nas is making a hell of a push. The problem with Nas is inconsistency. Yeah, no, he's not catching Jay, but no, I mean, he's he might have passed Pac on a lot of people's list, depending For on some, how much you like these last two albums. Yeah, I, I can see people putting him past Pac, right? But you know, the motherfuckers in the West Coast, closer to the Pacific Ocean, it'll never happen. No, by no means. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. We'll see how that goes. Let's hit our first break. When we come back, we're gonna talk boxing and then just a little bit of MMA to wrap up the show. Don't go anywhere, we'll be right back after this. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to The NFL Road Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Dre, we got to talk boxing in this next segment. I would love to get into the three fights we have this weekend, but that's not the biggest story in boxing. The biggest story in boxing is that the Rona keeps creeping up on boxing cards. This week, um, David Benavidez, his fight is canceled for August 28th. Then we have an injury, not Rona-related, to Errol Spence Jr. had to get surgery on his eye, a torn retina. He's had that surgery. He's on the recovery um, train now, which is great. But that means Manny Pacquiao was without an opponent for about 15 minutes. Because Ugas' opponent for the co-main event also injured his eye on the same day, which was um, Monday of this past week. So Ugas was like, hey, I'll step up. I'll fight Pacquiao. And they're like, you know what? Pacquiao was what, he's the champion in recess? And Ugas is the super champion? You guys fight for the WBA title. Let's have one champion. So that is what they will do. How much of a hit has this taken? Huge. Massive. Even with um, Pacquiao still there. I argue it's worse if Pacquiao would have in, been injured than Spence. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Uh, obviously, Pacquiao is a draw beyond you know, hardcore boxing fans, like casuals will watch Pacquiao unites communities, right? (laughs) Like Pacquiao, the Filipino community will not miss a Manny Pacquiao fight. Right. So it's, but it's still a huge loss because nobody gives a fuck about Ugas. Granted, he's a really good boxer who gave Errol, I mean, uh, Sean Porter hell. uh, And he's just, he's Cuban style is not very exciting, but nobody like, this is not the fight people wanted. This this was look, man, this summer when it started, we were like, man, we got uh, Wilder Fury, uh, Benavides come back. We got Canelo in the fall. None of that shit is happening at all. And it might lead to a packed winter. But at this point, I can't even get hype. Right. Because you don't know what's going to last. But this was the straw that broke the camel's back. Like we were able to live with Fury Wilder because it was covid and we rebooked the date now granted you know one of these guys could get hurt something can happen but at least we have a date we don't know what's going on with arrow because in the next two and a half months manny pacquiao has declare if he's running for president and that starts a campaign and that throws everything out of whack yeah this was supposed to be the fight where if manny won let's just, if manny happens to win he can retire and that's it you can go run for president and retire now i talked to freddie roach before spence got injured 
And, you know, Freddie was like, he'd also like to be the first boxer who was the president and the world champion. Right. That's just Manny, what Manny wants to do. But the timelines are always going to be a problem. Manny. It's the reason why Manny stayed on this card. He's 42 years old in the middle of a camp. There's no way that he's like, when they presented him an option, it wouldn't have mattered who it was. They could have called motherfucking Roy Jones. And Manny was like, I'll fight him. <laughs> that's who Manny is. He doesn't want to waste the camp. He's too old to waste the camp. So Uga's being there, it just happens to work out. It's a WBA champion, even though fuck the WBA. After all this shit, our boy Curry Erdman has pulled up about this, the WBA and the racist judge and all that nonsense. Like, Jesus Christ. And they're billions of belts. Oh, stupid. yeah, it's dwarf. It's uh-huh. dumb. But here we are. We got Pacquiao versus Uga's on the same day as SummerSlam. And I feel like this is kind of my fault because I kept saying <laughs> I want something to happen so I can go to SummerSlam <laughs> and then this shit happened and now I feel bad. Yeah, but listen, oh, it's more time for SummerSlam. I can only feel so bad. And I still want to watch Pacquiao fight, but it weakens the undercard. Gives me more time at SummerSlam. Oh, the undercard is trash. It was trash before. <sighs> Robert Guerrero versus Victor Ortiz. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it's not great. It's like we can't lie. Like it's it's not great. So for seventy five dollars, still, I'm not sure what the pay per view number is going to be. Is this seventy five? I thought it was sixty. Seventy four ninety nine. Really? Yeah, unless you get in like SD. Who has an SD tower? I mean, you can get an SD. I mean, you know, if you get an SD, is going to be the same quality as bootlegging it. So. Yes, but if you order the baby, you get the extra ten dollars. Get the crispy. Trust me, I agree. I agree. (laughs) You're a snob, but I don't think anybody. I don't believe anybody. I I don't believe anybody wants to pay seventy five dollars for Manny Pacquiao versus your Dennis Ugas. I I also agree with that. (laughs) That sounds crazy. Yeah, it's it's, like fighting Jeff Horn for for a lot of people, and that was free. Word. Yeah, it's it's a tough sell now. But if they sell it as, you know, Spence will have the winner and this is where we're going. Granted, Manny, like you mentioned, he's running for president. A lot of that's up in the air. Even though Manny and Freddie Roach both said they would love, 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 love if they win to fight Spence and honor that. Um, But then the next quote out from Freddie Roach was, wouldn't it be amazing to see a president defend his title? Um, It's a lot, man. So I'm like... I, I I believe Manny would fight Spence again, but we might be waiting till next May, next June. Dude, a, a torn retina is such a serious injury, right? It, it doesn't oh, yeah. like people say the recovery is, you know, the re, you know, you get the surgery and you can recover in two to three weeks. Yeah, you can recover in two to three weeks, but the average person is not getting punched in the face every day. That's the key. Yeah. You can you know walk around normally in life in two to three weeks. That doesn't mean you can take a punch directly to your eye. And Errol's got to be careful. This man just had a man. I don't know who said this to me. Somebody said we are very close to Errol Spence having a career of what if. Yeah. I mean, you can only have so many surgeries. Right. Like the car accident took some time away. Now the Pacquiao fight is a fight he may not get back because of the timing. That's mm. crazy. He may not get this fight back. Like they, Manny could win this fight and declare for presidency or whatever he's doing. And let's just say that all those true. What? I mean, just what if Bud Crawford's like, fuck it, I'll take it. And they figure out a better, like, there are so many things that can get in the way. It's very possible. Doing this, <laughs> this fight up, like they could complete. And then you have the complete disarray that is the welterweight division 
because this fight was at least going to determine like Spence is the man, like the man. Like if he went, if he beat Manny Pacquiao, Bud can't say shit. Can't nobody no. say shit there. Got to take now, that 70, 30. Yeah. You can't say shit there, but now that he's not fighting, it leaves the division back to being wide open. Meanwhile, we'll talk about it later. Virgil Ortiz is fighting this weekend, trying to climb up that ladder to get a WBO shot, which he wants with Terrence Crawford. You got Boots Enos. You have, obviously, Keith Thurman still lingering around here. Sean Porter still hanging around. It messes up everything. And we don't know when Errol Spence is going to fight again. Who the fuck's going to want to wait? That's the key. It's hard to wait on him now. Wait again on him, right? Because it's for different circumstances, it's the second time. And you mentioned it. Crawford's going to be a free agent after this next fight. Real easy to be like, yo, man, are you a free agent? I'm a free agent. We do this wherever. Yeah. Like, you, yo, PBC wants to do it? Fuck it. PBC will do it. Let's get it. It's a, it's, it's a lot. I mean, there was supposed to be the fight, obviously, with Mikey Garcia and Manny Pacquiao. Who says that doesn't resurface? There's so many things that can get in the way of them fighting that this is going, this sucks for Errol Spence. Yeah. I feel, I feel bad for him. It's, it's like Fury Joshua that was right there. But at and least, then now there's so many obstacles. At least Fury was kind of like, he was a made man after beating Deontay Wilder. I'm not saying Spence is not a made man, but, I, but beating Manny Pacquiao, there's no greater name on your resume than Manny Pacquiao. At all. Like even Terrence Crawford, people are like, he beat Terrence. Yo, you put Manny Pacquiao on your resume? The boxing's first and only eight division world champion who's had a resurgence past the age of 40 that is undeniable? You beat Manny Pacquiao? Nobody can tell you shit, dog. Like, who gonna tell us Spence anything? Now everybody gonna say shit to him. Yeah, now it's what if. So hopefully speedy recovery there. This weekend's fight, you touched on Virgil Ortiz versus Mean Machine. Over on the zone, Virgil Ortiz is trying to creep up to become a mandatory for Terrence Crawford, which it's shitty. He's never gonna fight Terrence Crawford. <laughs> no. And I'm I'm not gonna say never, but he won't fight Terrence Crawford for another year and a half. And because the WBO was like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to mandate Sean Porter to be Terrence Crawford's mandatory. And once either of them dismiss a mandatory, then a year, you don't have to find another mandatory for a full calendar year. So even if for any reason, Virgil Ortiz becomes a mandatory, they don't got to fight him for another year. So, It is what it is. I don't, I'm not sure he's going to get that fight. He keep climbing and see, you know, where it, where it lands him. I would love to see him versus uh, Mikey Garcia. I would love to see him versus Danny Garcia. Well, you know, Danny's talking about being a junior middleweight now. Yeah. I mean, Danny, Danny's managing two Spanish twins (laughs) who may or may not rap. I just see them twerk all the time. Like Danny has a whole bunch of ventures and keeps, Keith Thurman's doing wild shit too. So um, in a whole different way, he's just very spiritual. So I don't know when Keith Thurman comes back either. So I would love to see Virgil against those guys. I would love to see Boots Ennis against a Keith Thurman. Yeah. Boots another one that's climbing the ranks on a whole different side of things. So it's unfortunately keeping those guys, fights like this, keeping those guys two years away, three years away. They, I mean, duh, let's also talk about the guys at 140. You have guys like Tiafimo who will probably show up at welterweight at some oh, point. Yeah, you have, you have Josh point. Taylor, right? Like you have, there are guys, Regis Progray, like this, this fight not happening fucks everything up. 
it, it'll get it'll fix itself. But if you're Errol Spence, like you were in the driver's seat because everybody thought you're going to be Manny Pacquiao. Now yeah. it's like we'll talk about it next week. What happens if Manny Pacquiao loses? Oh, then it's Ugas Spence. You lose a ton of money, but you get that belt off of Ugas. Lickety split. If you I'm can, just, if you I'm can. just saying the the level of like, look, nobody wants to fight Ugas. It's like Arasandi Lara. Nobody wanted to fight Lara because he's not an easy out. Yeah. And he has a style that certain judges will like while others do not. And then you'll have these wacky-ass scorecards. It's a, it's a big risk. And it's impossible to look good against him. So let's just say Ugas beats Pacquiao in the same way that Austin Trout beat Miguel Cotto, right? And you have somebody like Ugas as the WBA champion with Pacquiao's name on his resume. But who cares? Because everybody will just say, well, Pacquiao's old and washed up. It won't be the same. It'll be like when Zaire Rahim beat Eric Morales. And people will be like, so who, who cares about fucking Zaire Rahim? I say it now. And there's people listening to podcasts like, who the fuck is Zaire Rahim? Exactly. So it's like he wins. You're Spence. You're at 147 pounds. Somebody says, hey, you could fight a Charlo at 54. Let's just say. Let's just say. Even though, you know, they're all Texans and all that shit. There's more money in that fight. Oh, way more money. No, fuck the undisputed title. Here, you can have these belts. I'm going to move up and get this money because Arrow's squeezing into 47 as it is. Oh, he's vacating those belts sooner or later. That, but that's what I'm saying. So now he's hurt. He can't train. He can try to keep the weight off, but he's naturally getting bigger. Ugas beats Pacquiao. Do you think Errol Spence, this might be a part of him that says, eh, fuck this weight class? Yeah. But if the money's right, yes. Because there's no guarantee that Terrence Crawford is going to fight you. That's the only other big money fight. Yeah, you already fought Sean Porter. Yeah, so there's there's no other fight. Uh, you know what? I don't even think they'll make him vacate. He could technically probably go up to 154 for a fight. You know, if he wants to capture a title. Because now at 154, um, Charlo has a mandatory. So he can't even immediately run it back. And you being champion of two divisions, maybe who's the other champion? Flores? Uh, Jesus, I don't. You just put me on the spot. I'm not even oh, thinking about it. I'll that. think of it. But um, since they had a draw. Oh, uh, no. Never mind. I can't think of his name. And somebody's yelling at our podcast right now. Oh, Castano. Castano, Castano. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, they can't run it back immediately anyway. Who's to say Errol Spence would be like, oh, Ugas? Nah, nah, I'm going to just go up there and run it with Castano. Let me get that belt. And then keep these two down here. You know what, bud? Bud, you want to do something? You face Ugas. Right, exactly. Nobody wants to fight Ugas. Handle, handle your mandatory, which Porter is tough. Handle your mandatory. Let me get healthy. And then next spring, April, May, Bud, you fight Ugas because you're a free agent. That'll be your first PBC fight. If you beat Sean and have that belt still, you fight Ugas on PBC to unify. Your first fight in PBC. You guys fight. Let me fight Castaño. Cop this belt. And whoever wins between you and Ugas, then I'll come down because it's undisputed. And you already got one PBC belt on. So next fall, then we can run it. You know, if not, if Ugas wins, yo, you know what? I'll vacate my belts, and it's me versus Charlo for Undisputed. But I have two Undisputed fights, and I could choose whichever one I want. I either have to fight my boy, which I don't want to do, or I can go down and fight Bud because now he has the other two belts. So two things real quick. One, at the, when you said PBC, 
my phone rang and it was Tim Smith from PBC calling. <laughs> that was it was so weird. Like I'm looking at my phone and Tim's calling me. But uh, I'm sure it's about next week because we got to catch up. But the funny thing is the smoke and mirrors that that you mentioned. Like Arrow could say, "Fight Ugas next year." You know, 18 months will pass, and maybe I'll still be able to get down to 47. That, man, we've seen Arrow. I don't think <laughs> in 18 months, I don't think he's getting that back down to 147. It's, it's no not a guarantee. Yeah. It's like Canelo, right? That's the other thing. The other low, the other lingering thing is Arrow's a big, gigantic 147. He can go, he could skip 54 and go to 60 and won't nobody say shit. He could if he wanted to. Definitely could. So if let's just, I mean, everything changes. The only reason I, me personally, I think the only reason he stayed at 47 was either fight Pacquiao or Bud. Bud became such a fucking afterthought when Pacquiao's name came back up, but Spence was like, I'm fighting him. Now that he's gone, yeah, you think maybe I can still fight Pacquiao. But again, we, the scenario that Pacquiao loses, Spence is out for nine months. I don't know. I don't know how long this is going to take. He comes back and he, he looks around and he goes, who knows who the champions are? Who knows what's what? Who's to say that he doesn't look and say, well, shit, Canelo's at 68. That's the biggest name in boxing. I want to prove I'm the best. Yeah, Charlo's at 54, but who gives a fuck, right? Who cares? 60's closer to 68. Hey, I could fight Triple G. Yeah. That any of those names are bigger than your Dennis Ugas. <laughs> like, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Any of those names are bigger than your Dennis Ugas. Ugas wins next weekend. Everything gets thrown into <laughs> into a frenzy. It's, it's, it's that it's a Seinfeld gif where Seinfeld throws his hands up, was like, ooh, and walks away. That's yep. what happens if he gets <laughs> he fucks up everything. And, and you never possible. know. You never know when Manny Pacquiao gets old. Yeah. Father Time is undefeated. Father Time is undefeated, and the man's you know maybe like might be thinking about his home country. It's hard, man. We'll talk about it next week. It's hard. You you are you are entering a camp fighting a young lion that everybody has ranked in their top five pound for pound. Some people as high as two or three and you are a legend and you are hyping yourself up. I can beat this guy. I can beat this guy as a Manny fucking Pacquiao. I'm the underdog. If I win, I'll be the third oldest world champion in boxing history. Third behind George Foreman and Bernard Hopkins to hold a major world title. I'll be third. like all this history I can make. Now he's hurt. Now I got to fight a guy that fucking nobody knows. You know how hard it is to get him for that fight? True. Plus, I mean, he still gets that accolade because this is for a belt. True, but you know, th- you go from Spence, who is also a, th- a southpaw, who is a big southpaw, pretty big puncher and a favorite, to an orthodox Cuban fighter with an amateur style. It's a completely different universe from Manny. I'm not saying he can't get up for it, but I'm sure Freddie Roach is like, man, fuck this. Yeah, it's tough, <laughs> but that paycheck still rings out. So Manny is like, fuck it, we got to get this money. Now, now it made, do you think it makes Canelo's situation look a little bit different when he was like, hey, if Caleb gets hurt, I still get 40 million. They're like, Pfft. 100% people sympathize with that now. 100%. They're like, no, 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 no. That guarantee better stay that guarantee, buddy. Like, no, Canelo's sitting back now, like, yeah. No, like, you're completely right. Every time someone pulls out, Benavidez catching COVID, Theofimo catching COVID, um, Tyson Fury catching COVID. Now, you look at it and Canelo comes to the table and be like, no, these are four fights that got canceled. Four or postponed. I'm not waiting again. If we do this in November, I'm going to be healthy. If my opponent is not, you're paying me this money. And what are they going to say? They already, honestly, he now has PBC by the balls because even the overarching, everything about it, was they had back-to-back super pay-per-view numbers to bring to Fox when their deal is done in December and say, this is what we can do. 
that's what PBC had. Look at how we crushed it. Give us a new deal with Fox for PBC. They've lost Canelo in September, right? So you don't get that pay-per-view and you push that back in which he can fight Baval and you don't have any pay-per-view. And then you lost Spence in this Pacquiao one, which probably cut the pay-per-view buys in half. And I'm being modest. So now when your deal is up, what are you bringing to Fox? Canelo would be like, no, you need me. You need a monster pay-per-view before you negotiate. You agree to whatever the hell I want. Now I want 50 guaranteed. And I think they have to do it. It's tough. They, they, it's a tough place. But, yeah, unfortunate, unfortunate. We spent a lot of time talking about Manny Pack, and he didn't even fight this weekend. But no. it's the biggest story in boxing. Um, okay, real quick. So Virgil Ortiz, Me Machine, how do you see it going? Uh, Ortiz by stoppage. Me Machine is great Russian pressure fighter, but that's all the things that Virgil likes in an opponent, and he's yeah. going to stop him late. He's going to walk him in. T- no, he's going to stop him, to me, within five. Me Machine's walking into something. He was hurt against – Bud in the second round came back, hurt Bud in the fifth, and then got stopped in the ninth. Bud is a volume, beat the shit out of you, make you quit type of fighter. Virgil's a knock you out one damn punch fighter, and Mean Machine's walking into something. I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't go three, but I'll give it five. It's possible. Look, Virgil's a guy who I talked to him this week and he learned, like, I'm not going to try to knock you out. If I knock you out, I knock you out. And that's kind of what happens now because when he lets his hands go, it just hurt people. Yeah. And it, unless you're like great defensively, I don't know how you get out of the way of that stuff. So, yeah, I'm picking Virgil by, I'm going to say seven, but you could be totally right. This can end a lot sooner than that. And then we have Casamero versus Rigandau. That's a hell of a fight. Hell of a fight there. Um, fight this weekend. Man, I wanted to see him versus Donaire. But with Donaire walking away from that, all signs point towards NY wanting that fight. Yeah. And he wants to fight in Japan next. Um, Bob Aram said on record. So I, I think Rona permitting, they could probably get Donaire out there for the rematch. I believe that's where the first match was. Yeah. In Japan. So, I mean, I would love to see that. Now we got like a little tourney. Like this is Bellator. So Casimiro versus Rigandau. This is, damn, I like Rigandau a lot though. This is a true toss up to me. Um, Casamero's on fire. Give me Rigandale with the upset. Fuck it. Um, I'm picking Rigandale. Here's why. Rigandale, oh, wow. just, like, okay. just like Arisandi Lara, Rigandale's a little bit more exciting because he's flat-footed. He's 40, probably 50, because he's Cuban. Um, <laughs> it's true. And when he stands to fight, he's, he does have heavy hands, right? And he, now he's at 118, um, which means that the, the power, I'm sure, is going to carry a little bit with him. And you're fighting a Casemiro who is an action fighter, not great defensively, and could walk himself into something. Gerald Rigandau is a much better technical fighter. And uh, could he get outworked? Yeah, but he's still great defensively. He doesn't move his feet as much. But the, the looks that Rigandau gives you is the reason why a lot of fighters just don't throw punches because they can't find where to throw a punch. There's never a comfort level. Casemiro, he's going to throw punches. That's just what yeah. he does. And because of that, it's going to allow Rigondeaux more opportunities to counter because that's what he does, catch and shoot. I think Rigondeaux probably stops him. Uh, I'm going to pick a late stoppage, but I think it's going to be a great fight. It's going to be a lot more action than we expect. It might be similar in action as Jared Hurd and Arisani Lara. Ooh, Remember how okay. fun that fight was? That was incredible. But and that's, that's when I looked at Lara. I was like, yo, he's so much better when he lets his hands go. It's because he can't move. Yeah, because he just slowed down. And then it was like, yo, I got no other choice. But I enjoy him more now. Like, once a fighter, like, 
you know, they talk about legs, right? And they used to try to do it to Floyd all the time. Floyd's legs were, they weren't what they were, but he still used them. But Cuban fighters use their legs a lot. And when you force them to stand in the pocket and fight, they can fight, but they just don't necessarily want to because that amateur style stays with them for so long. But we saw what Arasani Lara does. If you, if you force him to fight, he'll fuck you up. I think yeah. Rigondeau is the same type of guy. He's a guy, if you corner him, you think you got him, he still sets traps. His traps are just set different now. And I, this is my favorite fight this weekend. I think Ortiz will probably give us the biggest knockout, but this is the toss-up fight like you mentioned and I think this has all the makings of a really good fight. It could also suck if somehow Rigondeau finds his legs, we get a stink. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. This is a fight. I'll take Rigondeau by decision. This is a fight where it wouldn't surprise me if both guys touched a mat at one point. Yeah, it's very possible. Very possible. Um, and then we have on ESPN Plus, Maloney versus Franco 3. It's cool. Whatever. Frank uh, Maloney was robbed in the second fight. It doesn't have the star power of the other ones. It just closed it to Trilogy. Um, Maloney, again, going for a title. I'm trying to get his title back from Franco. It'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. But the real story of this weekend is, on the ESPN side, is Nico Ali Walsh is making his debut for top rank, the grandson of Muhammad Ali. I think it's a great story. He's debuting at middleweight. To me, he's not like a diaper dandy, right? Like, he's not going to give you what, let's say, Xander Zayas is in terms of a prospect, but it's a good story. Yeah. And I like him there. And oddly enough, I, I understand he's with top break and everything. And that's where he signed. He's taking this extremely seriously, but with a name, with his build, with his um, boxing history already, as much as he knows, damn, it'd be nice for him to get in the mix with a Jake Paul or with, you know, the, that celebrity type shit, because the name will carry him, and he's an actual good boxer who could win that. Yeah, I mean, the benefit for Nico Ali Walsh is the fact that he has the Walsh at the end of his name. So immediately people don't go, oh, that's Ali's grandson. And then on top of that, uh, being a grandchild, because it's not like Michael Jordan, right? Like if Michael Jordan's son shows up, you're automatically comparing him to Michael Jordan. I don't think people are going to look at Nico Ali Washington because Ali has so many kids and shit. They, they won't, it won't be that same type of pressure. And yeah. if he wins and if it's somehow somebody, it'll happen. Some commentary, somebody on commentary or somebody will write an article that says, oh, I saw flashes of his late grandfather in there. It's going to happen. But the pressure's not, there's not a, a ton of pressure on him. Um, no. And it's a four rounder. Yeah, so I'm very interested in seeing how it goes. Um, and, yeah, that's the story. As far as Maloney and Franco goes, yeah, you know, we've done this twice now. Um, <laughs> I love you guys over at ESPN, but y'all are hyping this fight up. This ain't the one. It's a good fight. Good fight. It, yes. it's, the third in the, it's the third in the pecking order of good fights this weekend. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, we, are, we know what it is. It's a good fight. It's a decent card. It was dipping our toes back into the water before – you know, taking back off, but it doesn't seem like we're taking off until like September. So, um, but no, it's, it's a nice fight to just get out there. Matter of fact, while we're doing the pod, it was just announced that on October 23rd, we're getting Shakur Stevenson um, going for the title against Jamel Herring in Atlanta. So that is a fight, sir. That is one that is going to be great. So can't wait for that one. Let's hit the break. Come back, touch a little bit on MMA before we get out of here. You guys don't go anywhere. Be back right after this. 
We'll get right back to the show in a second. But first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going an extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, it's the home stretch. Time to talk MMA. Kind of. So I saved a little bit of boxing talk for this last segment, Dre. But to me, it feels like it should be an MMA card. We have the undercard of De La Hoya finalized and if you guys don't know you've been living on a rock oscar de la hoya is coming back to fight former ufc star vitor belfort yay on september 11th in la he didn't want it to be an exhibition so it is a sanctioned fight bless los angeles and california commission for sanctioning this it got even crazier because anderson silva who just beat a legit boxer former champion, whatever you may think of him at this time, and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., Anderson's rolling eye off of that win. Boxing for the first time forever is in a legit boxing match against, drum roll, Tito Ortiz, who was just holding office in California before resigning like three weeks ago. Uh, Why, Dre? Tito Ortiz can't fight anything anymore. Dog, I, Damn sure can't fight the Rona. How are you going to keep him safe and healthy? Look, the only appeal of this fight is watching Tito Ortiz get his face beat off. Like, that's it. That's the only appeal of this fight is watching Anderson Silva beat the brakes off of Tito Ortiz. But as far as fights are concerned, look, I Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. is washed up, right? Not, not even washed. He just sucks. And Anderson, But Anderson Silva still beat him. And Anderson Silva beating a former world champion should lead to a fight that's not Tito Ortiz. Period. Correct. Like, there, there is no reason this fight should be happening. Tito Ortiz has done nothing to prove that he can box. This is, dare I say, Ben Askren-like. When was the last time we saw Tito Ortiz with hands? He's a ground and pound guy. He was a wrestler with ground and pound. Yep. It, it's going to be ugly. It's a highlight reel knockout. When he fought MMA fighters with hands, Chuck Liddell got beat up. Now we're fighting Anderson Silva, who's always had hands. Come on, man. Yeah, this this security for me, I'm not going to LA. I am going to LA. Because I got it's gonna be a viral moment. I need to get this on camera. Yeah, so I will be in LA for that fight. Um, David Hay is coming back on the undercard as well. He's fighting the triller, not a triller billionaire, but the billionaire who fights on triller, who looked good on the late last Paul card, but he didn't look David Hay good. So the poor man's about to get knocked out. This this is actually all right. This kind of sucks for Triller. Here's why. Show, Showtime is doing Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley, right? They got Ty, Jake Paul away from Triller to do a Showtime pay per view. Look at that undercard. That undercard is loaded, stacked. Now you go to Triller. Look at this undercard. 
It's not loaded. You don't have Jake Paul. I don't know how many people are really interested in seeing Oscar De La Hoya box to begin with, but then you have this kind of an undercard. And it's like, how many pay-per-views y'all think y'all really about to do? Is, is this the future of Triller now? Yes. This is better than I thought they had left. Once they lost Jake, I was like, oh, it's a wrap. I, I don't, like, this card stinks. Like, this card, like, who? I mean, are they going to do a versus? They got to have to do something. I don't know. They haven't announced a versus. You would think <laughs> they would do a versus. They got to do something, because this card ain't it. This card is not, because, and I guess the question is, like, how do you cover this? Like, with Jake Paul and Tyra Woodley, even if you don't necessarily care for Jake Paul, you still got Amanda Serrano on the card. Like, you still have a world-class women's champion on that card. Uh, who else is on that card? I can't remember. Uh, Tommy Fury. Oh, yeah, Tommy Fury. Who Basically, you're setting up your next opponent for Jake Paul. Correct, right? which is smart. And then um, a heavyweight, British heavyweight. I got to see. Was it Dubois? Oh, oh, yes, Daniel Dubois. Which you're guaranteeing a monster knockout. Right. So you have you have a card that... If I'm a boxing writer, I can cover from an angle where I can talk about Serrano. I can talk about Daniel Dubois. Even if I don't like Jake Paul, we know that moves the needle. We know that's a metric mover. That's what we have. If I'm a media outlet or just a person in general to approach the De La Hoya Vitor Belfort fight, it's like, what am I doing here? Because there's nothing on that card that I think a casual fan even sinks their teeth into. At least Jake Paul has an audience outside of boxing. What Oscar has a boxing audience, and he's fighting a non-boxer. I, this is this is weird to me. If they did Anderson Silva versus Logan Paul, they they would have cleaned up, but they didn't. I don't know what. It, how many people want to see Anderson Silva versus Tito Ortiz? Who's paying for this shit? I I don't know who's paying for this. That's a good question. But at least they don't have to compete with Canelo a week later. Yeah, I mean, so it'd be a Mexican Independence Day weekend, the weekend before in LA. You'll know people will come out and probably make a good gate. And if people want to party that weekend instead of the 18th, then yeah, you, you're going to do more pay per views than I would have said you would have done a month ago. I just don't know. This, I mean, we've always said the model is not necessarily sustainable. Obviously, now you have Tia Fimo and Cambosis looking like possibly October going to be in the States, but you're going to, you got to find some cheap support. For these cards, Anderson Silver's T Ortiz ain't bringing you no numbers. Not like that. No, not like that at all. So we'll we'll see how they make that work. It'll be interesting. I'll be in LA, so I'm I'm down with the weird shit. I'm always here for it. Uh, then, of course, this weekend in MMA, a real MMA card, we have no fights, but we can look back at last weekend UFC 265. We can recap that. And the card wasn't bad, right? Like the fights were enjoyable enough, but it wasn't the banger of a card we've gotten used to. We haven't, what, July card was really good. So this is kind of a lull until the September card. But going back and looking at it, there was a couple highlights. Um, Vincente Luque getting out of the choke by Michael Chiesa. That shit was deep. Flipping it around and submitting Michael Chiesa. That was impressive. Very impressive. And Vicente Luque has now put his name in that championship conversation. Um, submitting Chiesa is something I didn't see coming. I picked Luque to win. You picked Chiesa. I said it could have went either way. The way I didn't expect it to go was Luque escaping a pretty tight neck crank 
flipping it and putting in a Darce choke. I didn't see that shit coming at all. So now we have a, another threat at welterweight, which is good. Need that. Maybe he fights Leon Edwards because Leon Edwards can't get anybody to fight him. At all. He damn sure can't fight for the title. This is, I don't know why, but he's not getting that shot. Uh, Tisha Torres looked great against Angie Hill, winning purely by stand-up. Yeah. And I was like, she's getting better. I was wrong. She is a... Uh... Yeah, that I was surprised. I mean, we were gonna root for Angie. It didn't matter what was gonna happen. Yeah, it didn't matter. But Tisha Torres improved striking proves that yeah, she could be a little bit of a player in this division. Now, look, we ain't saying championship level, but she's improved. She showed marked improvement. She was a grappler first, wrestler, and now she showed that she could strike. And she the tiny tornado is still pretty good. So well done, Tisha Torres. I wonder what's next. Uh, I mean, straw weight. I don't know. It's it's a division where you still can make some noise at the top. So we'll see how, you know, that goes up. What is uh, Joanna doing? Anyone know? Is she recovering from something? That might be a good a good test. Damn, I can't even think. Is Joanna even booked for a fight? I don't, I don't think she's booked for a fight. But I, I didn't know, like, I thought she had a surgery at some point. So I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, she's so I'm not sure Instagram, she's healthy. Like, Yo, Yoana be on Instagram, like be showing out. She'd be on boats and shit and like <laughs> be all like wearing like cute clothes. I'd be like, look at Yoana. Like she's a star. Fuck it. She like, yo, yeah. listen, I got my face smashed in enough times. And she's still nice with it. So yeah. Yeah. She's like, living cool. her best life. She's yep. Good. Not mad at that. If she wants to come back and test those hands, Tisha would be a good fight for her. Um, and then we have Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz. Man, Jose looked good. Boy, was I wrong about this? <laughs> like, shit. I was wrong. Sorry, guys. If you went and bet on Pedro Munoz because of me, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jose Aldo looked phenomenal. Like, that striking. Leg his, kicks came back for the first time I in mean, like five years. He didn't even really throw the leg kicks. But if you watch, like, the fight and the way he avoided Pedro Munoz's leg kicks, like, his reaction time wasn't incredible and somebody pointed out it might have been luke thomas it might have been somebody else but since conor mcgregor and josie Aldo fought Aldo's got a better record than connor yep which is accolades better record less accolades but he's also faced tougher opponents yeah 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 Peter Yan. yeah i mean connor's faced habib poirier then nate diaz nate twice Okay, but Nate, saying, Nate's the floor. Yeah, I mean, sure, but I'm just saying like, some hard ass opponents. You look at you look at Conor McGregor and Jose Aldo fought. Since oh, it's then, Cerrone. Cerrone was there. Since then, Jose Aldo's fought Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway twice, Jeremy Stevens, Renato Moicano, Alexander Volkanovsky, Marlon Moraes, Peter Jan, Marlon Vera, and Pedro Munoz. That he hasn't had like a really necessarily soft fight because when he fought Jeremy Stevens, Jeremy was even surging at the point, and we all thought Jose was washed up then after yeah. taking those two beatdowns from Max Holloway. So it, I oh, and at bantamweight, remember this was a Jose Aldo that struggled to make forty five. We all thought he was going to lightweight at some point. In the years that passed, which let's also be clear, it's mind blowing that this man's only thirty four years old. This man looks—I swore he was like forty something because it feels like he's been here forever. Definitely. He's only 34. Tyson Fury turned 33 today. People are like, yo, he got to be 50. That's ridiculous. But in the case of Jose Aldo, he's done all this, and he's only 34, and he found a way to comfortably make Bantamweight. I'm curious where this could go. 
I think he has a good second run in him. Like, look, yeah, he got beat up by Peter Yan. He should have never got that fight in the first place. It was really weird to come off of two losses and then get a title shot. But it's the UF fucking C. That's what they do. Um, but let's just say Aljamain Sterling beat Gian in the rematch. Do I? I don't know if I, I mean there's TJ Dillashaw. I mean, look, fuck it. You want to be real? Give me Jose Aldo against either TJ Dillashaw or Dominic Cruz. If Dominic's going to fight, I like both fights <laughs> a whole lot. Like, I, one, and give me Garbrandt versus somebody too. Throw Garbrandt well, in there. Well, Garbrandt's going to, he, he's already booked for flyweight. Oh, he's, he moved down. I forgot. Yeah, My bad. He, he's technically a flyweight. But Jose Aldo versus Dillashaw or Dominic Cruz. I don't, I, I don't think he's done enough to fight at Aljo, right? Because if Aljo loses, maybe they do a third fight because it depends on – I mean, Aljo wins, they do maybe a third fight. But there's Sanhagen. There's like Jose Aldo against all those guys I'm intrigued by. I'm really interested in a Jose Aldo-TJ Dillashaw fight Yeah. after what I just saw this weekend. I am too. But now you pique my interest with Dominic Cruz. I know. I want it. It's like a legends fight. Yeah, I, I want to see that too. So now I have plenty of options for Jose Aldo moving forward. And good for him. He looked great. Like you said, he, just quick. The quickness, the tenacity, everything was there again. So it looks very good for him. And then oh, what's crazy is I was telling my wife during that fight before we move on. There was a time on this show, like what, three years ago, where we were talking about, yo, Jose Aldo has to move up. Yeah, exactly. He should feather, like, much. yo, he could barely make this way. He could barely make 145 anymore. And now this motherfucker's comfortable at 135. Comfortable. Incredible. I mean, did, he, did he go vegan or something? He got a nutritionist. They said it on the broadcast. It was something crazy where, like, he got a nutritionist, and then he was like, oh, this is how pro athletes should train. And then now he's just at 135, chill. That is, again, he was supposed to fight Anthony Pettis for the lightweight title. That was a plan. Because yep. he couldn't squeeze into 45, and now he's at 35. Meanwhile, Connor, who was killing, killing himself to make 45, there's no way in hell that Connor could ever make 35. Connor's like walking around at like welterweight, right? Yep. But Jose Aldo is like, he, every time he gets on the scale, too, I'm like, damn, he doesn't look good. Then he fights. I'm like, never mind. Fight night, he looks great, though. He yeah. rehydrates and he's just shredded. So, yeah, I mean, he's found, he's found his niche. And then main event, Derek Lewis versus Cyril gone. You called it. It wasn't competitive. At took all. him into deep waters and drowned it. I told y'all. The, in the first two rounds, they didn't really throw. It was paralysis by analysis. But when Cyril just let his hands go, it was, yeah, different levels. As wrong as I was about Jose Aldo, I was so right about this fucking fight. Because Derek Lewis, man, Ghana, he's too fast, too technically sound. He wasn't falling for the bullshit. As long as he stayed on the outside and just picked away, he killed him with those leg kicks. All day. Yeah, that's what really did Lewis in more so even than a punchy power. His leg was gone, and he couldn't do anything else, and he crumbled. That's why I thought Derek had to go after him early and just throw caution to the wind, and Derek didn't do that. He Yo. was waiting for it to counterpunch and for opening. That shit never came. Derek Lewis has a very strange career because I don't want to call him a quitter because that's harsh to say for a fighter. Yeah. But when Derek Lewis, when the chips are down against him a lot of times, and he can't find a way out, you can just see the defeat on his face. Yeah. In between the second and third round, it didn't matter what the corner was telling him. I'm like, this shit is over. Because he they, technically he has, he's just a one-punch guy, right? You have to make a mistake that he capitalizes on, and then he knocks you out. But if he, he noticed that Cyril wasn't, he wasn't giving him the opportunity, 
And it was like he ate a leg kick in the third round, and he had a look on his face. It was like, just knock me out. Yep. He was a, he folded from leg kick and then just covered up and yeah, waited for the ref to stop it. Because, I mean, seriously, I'm not saying I, I hate judging fighters on how hurt they are or whatever, but I don't think he was hurt that bad. I think he was hurt. Yes, those punches hurt, but I don't think he was hurt to the point of a knockout. I think no. his ego and pride was hurt to the point where he was just like, please just end this for me. It's torture. Yeah, because I, I think he no longer, he realized he had no way of winning. Yeah. And it was a waste of time. I don't, I don't want to call that a quitter. I don't know what to call that. It, it could be deemed like live to fight another day. Like when you know, like, I'm just going to take more damage. Like, what am I doing? For what? Because this might fuck me up way more if I just continue to take damage. Um, it's like when people tap from strikes. It's like, I could probably survive. But I'm just going to take unnecessary damage. He's going to keep kicking my leg for another 12 minutes to the point where I could barely fucking walk. So what am I doing here? And now I can't put pressure on my leg to throw the one thing that could give me a win, which is a knockout punch. I'm the way winning here. I'm ready to get out of here. So he covered up, let Cyril just pound on him in the guard, and he wasn't defending himself, and it was over. I just, yo, I don't know where Derek Lewis goes from here. I he's, in, don't. he's still exciting. He's, he is, if you get numbers, he's be exciting. Yeah, this was his chance to be a champion and get the belt, but I saw it against DC too. I'm just not sure if he's that championship guy. He's not. Period. But he's he's right under that. He's an entertaining sell and a draw. He's Adrian Broner. Mm. In, in a non-problematic way. <laughs> you know, like in, in, in a nicer version, but he's a guy where as the B-side, he'll always sell for you. He so, doesn't have to be in the title picture. He can headline shit. My balls is hot. It's an amazing clip. He, he'll sell some shit if you want to put him on free TV. Plenty of heavyweights. You got new heavyweights coming in? Let's see. But I know the immediate fight I want for him. What? Greg Hardy? Greg Hardy. Fuck it. I've been waiting for it. It sounds horrible. But waiting for Derek Lewis to lose. Give me him versus Greg Hardy in Texas. Former Cowboy player versus Houston native. Give me that shit in Dallas. Let's get it. Great booking, Vincent, man. That was a Thank you. Thank That's you. a very good one. I'm trying to make money out here. <laughs> so I have to ask this question because Dana White said something that, that kind of disturbed me. He said, you couldn't have scripted this better, you know, like on some Vince McMahon shit. Now, you know, and the first thing I thought, I was like, have you watched pro wrestling lately? Yeah. Um, and the scripted worse. <laughs> second, like, wait, did anybody hand Francis Ngannou this script that you're talking about? Because this should have never been for an interim title. Mm-hmm. This should have been for a gift certificate to the breakfast club. If anybody's been to the breakfast club in Houston, it's an amazing breakfast. But that's what this fight should have been for. There should have been no title on the line for this. And now we're going to get probably Cyril and Francis in, you know, former training partners. It's a phenomenal fight. Um, I, I'm still perfect Francis because every time I watch him, he's like improving. And all it really takes is one. Um, but scripted any better than this? No, it could have been. You could have waited a fucking month. <laughs> and Francis Agato could have got his fight. You yeah. want to know who else is not around? John fucking Jones. That's what Francis is tight about. You could script it a lot better because his bank account would have been much happier fighting John Jones next instead of taking a dicey fight against Cyril who can just outpoint him. And then next thing you know, he loses out on a mega fight. Right. Like scripted? The, everything this Dana says is for Dana, clearly. Because in his mind, he thinks this is like fantastic. In my mind, I'm like, no, this is 
Francis needs to be fighting John Jones, period. This should never have been an interim title fight. Cyril should have beat Derek Lewis. And you know who Cyril should be fighting? Stipe Miocic. That's how you script this. And the winner of that fight fights the winner of John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. Oh, That's that, it. That would have been money-making, except Dana rather save money than make it sometimes. Yes, I don't know how the books work. Cooked books. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. But, I mean, I guess saving money by not overpaying John and, and Francis for their fight makes more sense than making the money of making that fight. Plus having, you know, Cyril fight Stipe and then getting the winner of that face the winner of John and Ngannou. So I, look, I, I know this know. is your place. I know this is your place of employment, so you can't say too much, but it's funny because this is one of those fights that we never heard. Like this is tracking great pay-per-view buys and shit like that. This fucking card bricked. I mean, I don't, I, I, I haven't I heard anything personally, either. Saying, and, and I worked there, but and yet it probably um, not. It's better left not to talk about. Let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have loved Nunez. I will say I would have loved Nunez on this card. Me too, but she should have the main event. Yes, I, Nunez at the main event on this card, I think, would have just put it to where it should have been. And that I will say. It missed Amanda Nunez sorely. She wants to come back November, December. So we'll see how that one plays out. There's nowhere else to move on, Dre, because that was the last thing to talk about today. We appreciate you guys for listening. As always, hopefully everyone's staying Rona-free and safe out there. A lot of big stuff coming up in combat sports. Professional wrestling is about to take off with uh, important events. The rumor mill is just heating up again, especially for AEW and to see where NXT goes and so much going on in pro wrestling. So make sure you guys check out our show on Sunday revolving around pro wrestling. Follow us on social media in the meantime, at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. You can follow me, at Kel Dansby, him, at Andreas Hale on all platforms. Check out our other show, Wrestling with Stereotypes. Had an amazing, amazing recording. You guys will see the entire show with Shug. If you guys don't know Sugar Dunkerton, you guys will know after our show on Monday. So check out Wrestling with Stereotypes on adfreeshows.com. But for now, shout out to Blue Wire, the network. Shout out to all the sponsors. We'll be back later on in the weekend. Stay safe. We're out. Peace. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.